Dear Playbills, welcome to the podcast that Gerard Butler, George Washington, and Winona Ryder all don't want you to hear. <laughs> it's monkeys and playbills, y'all. That's my dream fuck, Mary kill lineup. Ooh, <laughs> yes. Okay, go. Um, fuck George Washington, but only <laughs> but once. But like middle finger. Oh, no. Only oh, once. Well, don't be- <laughs> well, yes. Like, fuck him. Yeah. Fuck yeah. Him. yeah. <laughs> Terrible person and also just riddled with disease, old-timey diseases. Yeah. Probably. Wooden, wooden teeth, too. Yeah. I, wooden teeth. Mm-hmm. Look at us. I'd marry Renona Ryder because she just seems like everybody's favorite wine aunt. Oh, that's exactly ah! it. And I'll kill Gerard Butler because somebody has to. <laughs> uh, Jill, how about you? Oh, please don't make me do that. <laughs> <laughs> Gerard Butler, George Washington. Yeah. I actually Ryder. tend to agree with Dad. Yeah, you think that's Great. a good... Um, yeah. I would marry Winona Ryder. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because um, out of those three, she seems the one who's kind of actually got her life on track a little bit. <laughs> yeah. You know? Which is so funny to say, but yes. And then, um, You're absolutely right. Yeah, fuck George Washington, because fuck George Washington, mm-hmm. and kill Gerard Butler, because, well, we'll find out this episode. Great. <laughs> All right, y'all, who are we and what are we doing here? Oh, thank you, Producer Daff. Please, welcome to Monkeys and Playbills, the podcast where we talk about Broadway shows that had runs of 100 performances or fewer on Broadway. And what the heck happened? And today, we're not talking about any of that. Uh-uh. Um, we're talking instead about three shows that recently posted closing on Broadway, and what the heck happened? Yeah. So it's been a really wild um, January so far yeah. because we've seen or will see by the end of the month, I think it was 11 Broadway shows closing. Yeah. yeah. If you look at our group chat right now, it's just like, so-and-so is closing. This is also closing. Yeah. Wow. Like our our list is getting added to at an exponential rate. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, it's also been fascinating to having started this podcast in deep pandemic when there was mm. no shows up to figure out what the relationship is to this podcast with current Broadway, exactly. with Broadway that's running right now and not just Broadway in the history books. has yes. been really interesting. And we know historically that January is the quieter month. Yep. Yeah, Absolutely. nobody's touring to New York. Yeah. No, like everyone's already done their yeah. holiday vacations. Mm-hmm. If you're a show, maybe you've made your um, your holiday, you held on through after the holidays to make yep. your holiday chunk of change. Mm-hmm. And now now's a nice quiet time to pack up shop before yeah. the uh, spring rush. So today we're going to explore three productions. Yeah. That have posted closing recently, and or all... have closed recently, I guess. We yes. have a bit of a combo pack. Mm-hmm. And they're all fascinating for different reasons, I think. Mm-hmm. We're doing yours first, right, Jill? Mm-hmm. We're going to talk about the longest running show in Broadway history. Oh my God. We're going to talk about a revival of a show at a limited run. Mm-hmm. So the, um, the excitement is not why it closed, it's what happened while it was open. Mm-hmm. And we're going to talk about a show that closed and then reopened. Yeah, the show again. deals with the topic of life and death and resurrection, and it itself was resurrected <laughs> from the brink of death. So I think that's very that's fun in a meta kind of way. Mm-hmm. For those of you who don't have those um, facts off the top of your head, we're going to talk about Phantom of the Opera, the revival of the musical 1776, and the musical adaptation of the movie Beetlejuice. Who? Beetlejuice. No, don't. <laughs> don't. Whoops, you. my bad. <laughs> that was close. <laughs> Showtime. <laughs> well, now we have to start. We should acknowledge before we do that, that this uh, season of Monkeys and Playbills is produced through the generous support of the Canada Council for the Arts and in collaboration with the Crescent Arts Centre. Thank you, Daddy, Canada Council. I was thank just going to say thank you, Daddy. Yeah. <laughs> but also, please check out some of the other Village Conservatory podcasts. We've got It Takes Two, 
a mentorship podcast, and we also have an upcoming narrative podcast. Yeah. Tales from the Great Transfiguration. Tales of the Great oh, Transfiguration. So close. close. Oh, so close. You can leave that in. I want people to know I'm human. <laughs> Jill, you did an episode of the mentorship podcast mm. with um, Sam Hutchings, a yeah. dear friend of all of ours, dear friend of the show, incredible performer. The best. And it was really fucking cool. And you made a video about like Broadway dance through the ages. It was really cool. And it rules. It's really cool. I would highly recommend everyone check out that episode of It Takes Two. Then check all the rest of them out after you like that one. There's some amazing stuff that came out of the, Mm -hmm. what I, you know, thought was a pretty like concise amount of time, like a very short period of mentorship and the stuff that people created. It was pretty um, fantastic to see. So check it out. So before we begin, we should let you know that obviously the format is slightly different today. This sort of mirrors more of our mini-sode sort of formatting where we each look into a different one to give you sort of an overview of different musicals. So we've each researched one of those and I had the honor and pleasure of researching Mm -hmm. the longest running Broadway show, The Phantom of the Opera. So in our group chat before assigning these shows it sort of came up that paul doesn't like the show i do not like the show phantom of the opera i don't like the show jill does not like the show phantom of the opera (laughs) and then we assumed (laughs) that meant that daphne also didn't for whatever reason we were like well there couldn't possibly be a third person there we go we have consensus yeah (laughs) no one likes the show phantom of the opera just i piped up my little text voice (laughs) i like it And you know what? As I researched and was reminded of those experiences seeing the show, I was enchanted myself. So I I might retract that like strong the way I came off so strong Mm -hmm. initially, but we can all acknowledge Mm -hmm. the uh, what do you call that? The thorns and uh, I don't know. I was gonna roses and thorns. Yeah, the roses and thorns or whatever of. This specific production. Yeah. Because I had a, I had a not dissimilar experience. I've never liked it. Mm-hmm. Um, I've known it for a long time. It was one of the first musicals I got into. Mm-hmm. My partner, Ali, was um, super hyper-focused on it when we um, got together um, when we were um, kids, when we were mm-hmm. 14. So that means that I kind of got into it as well. But I've never... the I only liked it a few years ago when I saw the uh, Royal Albert Hall concert with uh, Ramin yes. and uh, Sierra. Oh, the 25th anniversary the 20, concert. For the first time, I was like, oh, that's that's why this is good. Mm-hmm. Oh, I see. Yeah, nope. This I can see how this is good. Yes. And parts of this are really good. That's it. Yeah. That's it, exactly. So what was your first experience with the show? I think it might have been the movie. <gasps> I think too. it might have been the Gerard oh, Butler no. and Amy yeah. Rosa movie, oh, the Joel no. Schumacher movie. Yeah. <laughs> oh, dear. Okay. Okay. I'm sorry. That Which also started my lifelong crush on Emmy Rossum. Oh, fact. yeah. That I understand. Yeah. Yeah. I super understand that, actually. <laughs> and a lifelong distaste for <laughs> Gerard Butler. <laughs> yeah. What's he doing there? <laughs> oh, my gosh. You are kind of unappealing. Okay. So we have two folks who came at it from movie first. Yeah. And what yeah. about you? I remember my dad owning the CD. Mm. And I remember that like iconic organ oh, intro. Yeah. Right? And also when I told David today that we were going to be talking about it, he sang that. Yeah. Yeah. So obviously that. And then there was a touring production that came here in 2005. 
five. I saw that tour. And I saw that. And I saw it before I had seen the movie, which had come out the year before, I guess. And so my first experience with it, and I'm glad it was, was Mm. the spectacle of the thing. That was a nice tour. Yeah. 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 So, okay. Lots of different perspectives. Yeah. Let's get into it. So the Phantom of the Opera previews Mm. began at the Majestic Theater on January 9th, 1988. It opened on January 29th, 1988, and it is closing on April 16th, 2023, after 16 previews and 13,877 performances. Just squeaking past our mandate there with a smart 13,000. <laughs> One that just barely got away. Yeah. Nice to see an underdog make yeah. good. <laughs> My entire life, it has been on Broadway. Do we have any idea how many of the original people if there was anyone originally left there or was it like a a boat of theseus thing where by the time it had closed like there was no one who was there when it opened i know there were a lot of the musicians that have been I, this on is what i was right. gonna bring up there's a few musicians like who um yeah. yeah um there's like a violinist especially who's done a couple of interviews yeah. mm-hmm. um who had that chair since um since it opened and that's oh really my cool. gosh it's so cool. incredible yeah. i would guess that andrew lloyd weber and those musicians are the only ones who survived the sure. run. <laughs> <laughs> Whether Andrew Lloyd Webber survived or not remains to is an, uh, is up for debate. There was an actor who was in it for 20 years. Wow. Oh, that's incredible. Um, other than that, I, I know there's a lot of like... Maybe some crew members or stage yeah. managers. It would be... It Folks would be har- affiliated with the theater I could see it being hard to keep on performing for that long. Um, it would be hard on your body. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That rocks. There is, for yeah. any way yeah. I feel about Phantom as a piece, um, the opportunity to live on a show for your whole career, yes. to live in one place and to have oh, a guaranteed yeah. income as a um, as a performer, as a musical theater performer. Incredible. That's, like, I take it in a second. Yeah. And I love it. You know what you're getting into. Yep. It's also like what we've talked about before is, like, your show is, if your show is going to appeal to Bev from Idaho, you got you got a check, <laughs> yep. your, your paycheck is cash for the yes. next 20 years. Right. Bev from Idaho is going to go. She's going to get wine drunk <laughs> with her friend Shirley. Oh, They're going to have yes. a great time. <laughs> Maybe buy a t-shirt or a yes. tote bag. Or perhaps oh, a button. Yes. A t-shirt, that t-shirt with just the mask, the mask. on it. Incredible. On it. The late 80s mega musical oh. boom was so good for graphic design. Yeah. So it's funny you would mention that because in terms of the imagery yeah. that we associate mm. with musical theater and my early childhood is the Les Mis logo because for whatever reason, my aunt had a poster of it in her basement yeah. and yeah. it stuck out to me. So the poster was like Little Cosette. That's yeah, it. Cosette just like staring off while her hair is blowing in one yeah, direction. Yeah, and like the flag yeah. is behind perhaps. Yeah. 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 Um, and then the phantom mask. Yeah. And maybe the eyes from Cats. Yeah, those are the those are the three. Right. Yeah. And then Miss Saigon didn't really oh, yeah. have one that caught because those are like the four mega musicals. Totally. From the initial boom, I guess Miss Saigon had a cool logo and like it's a. It's like the sunset, the right? The sunset. Um, okay, so for those of you who yep. may not know the synopsis of this play, it's about um, a guy who lives in a theater <laughs> and teaches. He's like a voice teacher, so he mm-hmm. teaches singing mm-hmm. lessons at the theater, but in a very mysterious way. Yeah. Um, and, More pitchy. And he like, kind of like... <laughs> More breath. <laughs> <laughs> and then um, his like prodigy, Christine, yeah. becomes um, famous mm-hmm. um, on this operatic stage. Yeah. And then uh, there's a side love interest and then the man in the mask gets like kind of jealous. Mm-hmm. Can I go back <laughs> on the fact that you described the Phantom as a guy who teaches singing at the <laughs> opera house but Am mysteriously? I wrong? <laughs> Are we wrong? <laughs> 
That's what he does. I don't know. I thought... <laughs> a, you're not wrong. I thought it was accurate. He's got a few really key parts. Oh, well... <laughs> he's also blackmailing the owners of the opera yeah. for 20,000 francs a month. Right. He also lives under the theater and no one knows whether he actually exists or not. And also right. he's a horse in the sewer. What's that horse doing down there? And also there? he always so wears a mask. Sorry, yeah. to, sorry no. to interrupt. I was just so funny. No, I just... I mean, I was trying to be really like bare bones about yeah. it because I figure that if anyone really wants to know they can watch a version or whatever yeah. but about a grumpy vocal coach <laughs> <laughs> yeah Paul he's you in 20 years yeah, absolutely oh he is just hiding out in the walls <laughs> how many times can he say the same thing hey that's my bike <laughs> <laughs> Okay, we're going to speak, and then we're going to shout on that pitch, then we're going to sing on that same pitch. Oh my god, how many times can he work on that belt? <laughs> Absolutely, exactly. Uh, so, um, and then there's also a sequel, which I don't want to get too into, but yeah. I think it's funny because... To me, they are linked because they have to be. yeah. because then so Christine and Raul end up getting together. That's yeah. the side love story, totally. and then they move to Coney Island. And the phantom follows them to Coney Island. Yep. That is Love Never Dies. So if you're looking for just a total trip, you should listen to that too. Yeah. Love Never Dies is still up? No, no. No, no. no I don't but think they it ran for it. very long. Oh, they might have. I think yeah. they filmed it. You might be yeah. right. Yeah, they captured. Um, and it never, it's never been in the US. This was all in um, Europe. Yes. That it um, had its development and its premiere. Yeah. So in terms of the history of of phantom so it opened in the west end in 86 Mm -hmm. uh and then a couple years later they brought it to broadway and if i'm not mistaken jim steinman was originally asked to do the lyrics that makes sense but he was like busy or tired or something so jim steinem of meatloaf steinem thank you yes no Um, you're exactly right of um meatloaf and um total eclipse of the heart um i need a hero yeah, um, all oh. coming back to me now. Mm-hmm. Like, that makes very good. Oh, sense it's, it's a perfect yeah. fit. Yeah, that makes yeah, so no much questions. sense. Yeah, yeah, but I think he like did Starlight Express or something. Or I don't know. There was a reason that he was like busy or or tired. Probably both. <laughs> <laughs> um. So it ended up being. I'll give you the the stats. The the list here. So it was yeah. produced by Cameron McIntosh, which we know automatically means spectacle, yeah. means mm-hmm. big budget. Uh, music by Andrew Lloyd Webber. Mm-hmm. Lyrics by Charles Hart. So that's who ended up writing right. the lyrics. Yep. From the novel Le Fantôme de l'Opéra by Gaston Leroux. No one writes like Gaston. And then <laughs> <laughs> additional lyrics by Richard Stilgo. And then the book was by Richard Stilgo and Andrew Lloyd Webber. And then the music was orchestrated by David Cullen and Andrew Lloyd Webber. So those are the peeps. Andrew Lloyd Webber at this point has... One, two. Is kind of, is at his, I would say at his peak, has... Is that his artistic peak is the yep. argument I would make. I would that. absolutely agree with that. Um, he's done, this is post Jesus Christ Superstar, mm-hmm. um, Dreamcoat, but that's not, um, Dreamcoat hasn't yeah. been a thing yet. Evita. Post, this is post Evita. Yeah. Um, and there's one, and like Song and Dance. Jellico, Songs for Jellico Cats. This is post Cats. Yep. Yeah. Wow, wow, wow. Right? Like not that far behind. No, you're totally right. But yep. if you think about, mm-hmm. so late 70s was Jesus Christ Superstar. Yep. Mm-hmm. And this is late 80s, and you've got six shows yeah. open. He's he's like the Stephen King of musicals. That's exactly yeah. it. He's just banging them out Ugh. while everyone else is like, I've been working on this for 12 years. Yeah. The point, the point of it is especially after this, before this, he has written all his great works, all his great songs, mm-hmm. virtually, if yeah. not yep. totally. I would argue that after Jesus Christ Superstar, like yeah. that was, to me the greatest at 100 percent, i agree and so every subsequent show i just yeah. giggle about 
Yes. <laughs> but I've never written a show, so I can't. <laughs> but, <laughs> you know what a, I mean? Yeah. I would, <laughs> like I would also argue that there, there's endeavor. moments of brilliance after that. There's... Because yes. you got, like, he writes Don't Cry For Me, Argentina. True. He writes Tell Me On A Sunday. There's songs and cats that are really beautiful. Which ones, um, Paul? <laughs> the Rum Tum Tugger. <laughs> My favorite or cat. Or Mr. Mistopheles. Oh, that oh. one's so good. Well, it's just the Oh, same. wow, I never. <laughs> That's I like what that. I said when I was watching that show. I like that one where they sing about being cats. Was there ever a cat And they describe so what That's it means it? to be a cat. And it's a lot of things that don't make sense. That's it. That's, that's it. That's I like cats <laughs> probably 300% more than I like Phantom of the Opera. Interesting yeah. take. But I also, <laughs> I'm I'm a sucker for cats. Right. Um, at least because I, I like that cats is like pastiche in mm, style. Yeah. Mm. And so there's a lot of styles I key into more. I'm not an opera guy. So right, any of the right. pastiche stuff in Phantom that's opera is automatically like a, something that's going to be a struggle for me. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I can understand that. Anyway, I keep on derailing you. No, it's okay. Yeah. <laughs> so all this to say, the West End production yeah. opened in 86 and it ran until the pandemic. Mm-hmm. In July of 2020, there was like this really dramatic video of the theater getting loaded out. Mm. Her I, Majesty's Theater in London. I, so they were loading out the theater and there was this video with Andrew Lloyd Webber like standing on the stage being like don't worry we're just going to like do a revamp or taking, something taking and we'll time be back to change things around yeah right. and then a couple weeks later they actually said okay we're not going to bring it back right we're closed but then about a year later i think they announced that they were going to reopen but it was like a new design yep. okay and a reduced orchestration Yes. Yeah. Okay. Which is a big thing which because big I think thing. some yeah. of the talks surrounding the closing were that um, they were talking about the size, the sheer size of this orchestra yeah. because yeah. it's 27 pieces in the West End, 29 on Broadway. That's like that's incredible. amazing. That's and I'm incredible. like, you yes. never get to hear that. There is like a handful of theaters in the world right now that are employing those size of orchestras. That's yeah. incredible. But at the time it was like, okay, let's pack 27 people in a closed space. Some yes. of whom are shooting spit. Totally. Totally. Yeah. Aerosol fashion. That's and it'll it. all be okay because we're making money hand over fist. Yes. Yeah. And we want a big old operatic sound. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I don't think they ever confirmed nor denied that that was something. But I think, of course, people talk and figure it out. And so they've, they've reopened uh, 2021? With the big Broadway reopening, I thought. So that's kind of what happened in the West End. And then, of course, they like have done a, a lot of tours of it. Mm-hmm. And those people that were on the tour that had to close ended up getting picked up for the West End production. So there is a bit of that cross-pollination. That um, makes sense. Yeah, yeah, and use of different people. But uh, that means after two years of it being open in the West End, they were like, let's take it to Broadway. And we've talked about shows that have tried yep. and failed. A lot. Yeah. Well, obviously that didn't happen. Nope. Yeah. <laughs> in this circumstance. Nope. <laughs> because everybody's favorite lady from Idaho, I don't know. <laughs> Bev. Bev, thank you, <laughs> would come to see it because it's spectacular, yeah. for lack of a better word, right? My dad loves Phantom of the Opera. My dad's not a musical guy, although he loves a surprising amount of musicals for someone mm-hmm. who's not a musical guy. I love people like that. Yeah. They're like, well, oh, I'm yeah. just not into musicals, except, and then they list 45 musicals. Yeah, and they list like the most musical musicals. Yeah. Like, yeah. I consider fandom to be like a musical musical. Yes. Like When you say you don't like musicals, you're either including this as mm-hmm. your prototypical, I don't like musicals, yep. or you are using this as your exception to why you don't like musicals. Yes. There is no in between. Absolutely. So like when I was, before I was born, my parents took my niece to see a tour in like Saskatoon in the 80s, in the late wow. 80s, early 90s. Yeah. Maybe I was just born. And my dad 
still talks about it. Yeah. <sighs> Cannot stop talking about how how affected he was by Phantom about the... And then, then he yells and she sings. <laughs> she sings so high. And he goes, sing for me. <sighs> yeah, Carl, that's that's the show. 35 years it. later, he is still just like keyed in on this. It's awesome. That's it's great. So yeah, and like my mom is Bev from Idaho and I say yes, this with love yes. because yeah. like, we went to go see it at the Centennial Concert Hall yes. in 2019, I want to say. Oh, this, oh the sure. second tour that came Yeah, yeah. when it came through yeah. here and like you know, my mom was buying merch. My mom was yes. having a lovely time. We were geeking out about the chandelier. We mm-hmm. were having a grand old time. Yeah. This show is in the life yeah. of anyone who loves musical theater in Absolutely. some way. Absolutely. Uh-huh. Like this is... Freaking listeners, send in your Phantom experience. I guarantee yeah. everyone listening to this show everyone has one. Has you know? one. And also, it's, a, it's another musical that I think everyone has a take on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Like, you, you don't have no opinions on Phantom. Yes, yeah. that's it. It's almost wild that it's not going to be on Broadway. It feels weird, once yeah. again, because we've never known a Broadway without yep. it. Now that we're on that. Yeah. So, obviously, we know it's closing because we're yep. talking about it. It was supposed to close this month, but uh, as is want to happen with these shows when you post your closing yeah people start flocking to it mm-hmm. and they're like wait a second we can extend let's yeah. extend right so now they're set to close in april are they actually going to close well okay <laughs> so, was this a publicity stunt well like <laughs> okay i understand wanting to drum up support for your show 100% and we know that being honest and saying, hey, where are our audiences? Why aren't you coming out to see the show? Isn't actually always, uh, like that kind of plea doesn't work No one likes to be guilted into Exactly. No one's going to come just because you made them feel bad. It also feels a little bit tactless, especially nowadays with like, you know, the fact, A, Broadway is so expensive. Yes. B, everything is so, is so expensive. Mm-hmm. And C, I have to get to Broadway physically yes. in order yes. to see your show. Which That's is it. Always, has always been expensive and is now even more yeah, so. Yes. It's, it's one of those things where it just feels a little bit tactless to be like, where are all our people giving us more money? Yes. Yeah. And so they obviously didn't do that, which I think is good. Mm-hmm. And I mean, some circumstances, maybe it's necessary to to do that. There were a couple shows this year that I think closed very abruptly and I mean I'm sure we'll discuss them but they needed maybe a bit more of support in that way but Phantom when you're like okay you're an institution yeah if people aren't coming it's because maybe it's maybe it's time like maybe you've been running for 30 years I think I think you're good yeah like you've maybe everyone who's wants to see Phantom has seen Phantom now right and like you can do a do a victory lap for like the mm-hmm. people who love Phantom more than life itself to see yep. it one or two more times. Exactly. But like, yeah. So maybe this is the second wind, if you will. Like the, mm. this is that victory lap. Yeah. Yeah. And the encore. This is the yeah, encore. Yeah, encore. Yeah, that's right. Let's actually use a music, right? uh, a yeah, theater Carl. term rather than a sports term. I'm for... done with sports. This is the encore. Yes. So. I don't know if it was conscious yeah. that they were like, ooh, let's like post-closing and then run a little longer. Like yeah. it was probably a happy circumstance, sure, sure. a happy accident, if you yeah. will, mm-hmm. um, and an opportunity to get those people to come to say goodbye in yeah. a way that didn't feel so like shocking. And it's kind of nice at, at this point, they get to rehire all their staff and give them a full year. Yes. A full year salary, yeah. which is That's so kind true. of a cool thing to say goodbye to people who have given a lot to the show. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder if they're going to do some sort of like in memoriam for it at the Tonys this year. Oh, I care. Yeah, probably. <laughs> I don't know. Does anyone have any thoughts? Like, I, I, I feel like we agree on how this yeah. all went down. I think that 
for a show that's been running for 30 years, I think you can just yeah. call it a day and make room for some new blood on Broadway. Yes. I think so. I think at the very least, it's time to shut it down, respectfully, like, shut down Hal Prince's um, concept. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm sure within 10 years, we'll see a revival with a new design. Oh, and a new I concept. think so, too. Like, there's no... This will not be the last we see of Phantom. Mm-hmm. Which this also, might be the last we see of that chandelier falling. You know which I think I mean? is also yeah. even more of a reason for it to close. Because like we know it's not going anywhere. Yeah. We know that if any theater programs Phantom in their season, they're going to be like sold out every single night. Yes. Before we wrap this up, I do have a, a couple of fun facts. Great. Fun fact so- corner. <laughs> Well, I guess this one's not so much a fun fact because we've talked a little bit about this Tony year before. Okay. But this is the biggest, well, I would maybe argue the second biggest upset in Tony history because there was that year with Dreamgirls and Nine. So that Mm -hmm. was a big year. Yeah. No, this is a bigger upset than that, though. You think so? I think so. This is Into the Woods and Phantom, right? That's it. Yeah. Oh, absolutely it is. Okay. So the interesting thing that I noticed about that Tony year, 1988, was that Phantom seemed to win the design categories and then Into the Woods won like score. You know what I mean? Like the material ones, like the show ones. Mm -hmm. I don't want to say, how do they refer to it? The Oscars again? It's production versus... Production design and then like... Like they, 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 they right. yeah, categorize these in two yeah. categories. And oh, it's not, the language the, isn't quite right. The technical but. awards. The technical right. awards yeah. versus the art. And I don't yes. like that because that implies that the technical awards are not artistic. I know. Nevertheless. Yeah. yeah, but in terms of even just. Phantom took the technicals. It and did. Into the Woods took the artistics for lack of a better yeah. word. Yeah. So like Phantom ended up winning. So they were both nominated for 10 Tony Awards. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So completely even in that regard. And I think probably all the same categories. Joanna Gleason won for The Baker's Wife, but then yeah. Michael Crawford won for Phantom. So, yeah. Well, was that the year that Chip Zine? Is that the, the version so. that Chip Zine was The Baker? Yeah, it was. Um, who's absurd as The Baker, is like the definitive Baker. Oh, yeah, um, I agree. But also, Michael Crawford is a, the got definitive a cool voice, Phantom, man. really. What a cool voice. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, Phantom won Best Musical, but Into the Woods took Best Score. That's wild. And, and also, Best Book. I think Into the Woods took best book. As well it should. It would be absurd. Otherwise, I've, oh, I know. I got Into the Woods. For, I just saw um, the MTZ production <laughs> of Into the Woods, and it reminded me what a beautiful show that mm-hmm. is, what a beautiful script it has, what a beautiful book it has. Yep. It's a beautiful show. It truly is. You can't actually argue that Phantom's better I than know. Into the Woods. <laughs> but then it's like, to see it laid out in that way, it kind of made sense to me finally, mm-hmm. where I was sure. like, oh, yeah, that is what's appealing about Phantom. Yeah. Is the chandelier, is the costume, the set, like, you know, those beautiful, even the direction, like very sweeping and lovely. The orchestration is really exciting about Phantom. I don't love, love the score, but the orchestration is also sweeping and lovely. Yes. Mm -hmm. This enormous, and then it's also got like 80s rock stuff, which is really fun. Oh man, like sitting in the Centennial Concert Hall, having that like synthesizer going on, I was like, what year is this? But it's amazing. (laughs) I love it. Oh, it's so good. But yeah, no, it was it was interesting to revisit that Tony year and to see it like that. That's a wild Tony year. That's so fascinating. So Phantom won seven, Into the Woods won three. That's <laughs> really hard to swallow. Yeah. <laughs> My last um, fun fact is that, so I was looking up on IBDB, yep. which is an excellent page mm-hmm. that has all the information you could ever want and all the names of folks who contributed to each production. So have a look when you can. 
want to talk about an unofficial sponsor of this oh, show. IBDB. Yeah, absolutely. Big time. So uh, I was scrolling through the original company members yes. for the show, and I came across a name that was very familiar to me. Is in it the music department? In the ballet ensemble. Oh, okay. I, I won't make you guess because you never no. will. But uh, Nicole Fossey, daughter of Gwen Verdon and Bob Fossey, no. was in the original That's ballet amazing. ensemble of the OG Phantom on Broadway. That's wild. And it's her only like Broadway credit, I think. Other than, I think she might have produced a oh. couple things. only Broadway But her credit. only performance credit. Yep. Oh, talk about Nepo Babies. Nepo Baby. I am. Um, <laughs> what I thought you were going to say, although I don't know if you know him, my, my mentor and friend Jeffrey Huard, who um, taught me how to conduct, basically, mm. as an incredible music director, was the original associate. Um, Wonderful. On, on Phantom. So he was wow. playing one of the keyboard books in the pit opening night. And, incredible. Um, has some incredible stories. But many a Phantom connection, I think, over the 34... Sorry, I was doing math. 35, it'll be 35 years. I think that's all we need to talk about with Phantom. Yeah, There's probably yeah. more than we needed to talk about, but it was good to Hi. have a chance to discuss it because we never would have we otherwise. We didn't even get into the Sarah Brightman of it all. Oh, God. <laughs> Which is Snooze probably a good fest. thing. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Like, actually, though, right? I, I don't know. I, yeah. Maybe that's rude. I no, just, that's a fact. I just find her to not be as dynamic as some of the other performers Oh, she's not dynamic. Seen. It's... It's almost fascinating to w- look at her career trajectory as it relates to Andrew Lloyd Webber wanting to bone her. Yes! You know? <laughs> they got married, right? Oh, yeah. They, they got were like super married. married for yeah. a while. Yeah. And then um, she made Andrew Lloyd Webber forget how to write good musicals. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so it's all Sarah Brightman's fault. Oh, yes. That's oh, what we've discovered. Okay. No, I think it's very much Andrew Lloyd Webber's fault all on his own. <laughs> I don't think he actually needed the help. He yeah, was on true. his way. Oh my gosh. Well, that was oh, fun. I mean, should we do the next whatever. one? Yes, we absolutely oh. should. So, I researched 1776. 17. Which, 17. 1776. That's not even... And not thrown away. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. This is a different musical about the Founding Fathers. This is a different musical about the Founding Fathers. So 1776 is a revival that opened on October 6, 2022, closed on January 8, 2023, after 105 performances and 21 previews. Mm-hmm. This revival was directed by Jeffrey L. Page and Diane Paulus, mm. choreographed by Jeffrey L. Page. Yep. Associate uh, director, Brian Arelli Munoz, M- Munoz, associate choreographer, Courtney Ross, and plenty more credits um, that I would encourage you to check out IBDB for. Mm-hmm. The uh, last one that I want to highlight is musical supervisor, David Chase, who's just mm. the... We've um, talked about him several times on this podcast yeah. before as the music director for... Tuck Everlasting. He was the driving musical force behind the Rodgers and Hammerstein Cinderella. That's um, it. Revival where he turned all these sketches of um, Rodgers and Hammerstein songs into a, frankly, one of the better R&H musicals yes. that you can license these days. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Why are we talking about Rodgers and Hammerstein when we could be talking about <laughs> 1776? Let's we talk sure a little could. bit about the original production of 1776. Great. Yeah, I'm so curious because it's one of those shows that's sort of been orbiting me as I learn about musicals, but I've never actually really sat down to investigate it. I know that Mr. Feeney was in it. Ooh. Ah, Wasn't he in the original production? 
The same actor who played Mr. Feeney on Boy Meets World? In the original production? I'm like pretty sure. Yep, he played John Adams. Oh, fuck. Like, led the original production. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Fuck me. There you go. So. Learn something new every day. 1776. So original production is an enormous smash hit. We got uh, Sherman Edwards, the composer, is the person who originates this. By all accounts, he was a songwriter for Elvis. Ooh. And one day he was sitting in the middle of a songwriting session. No. With and he Elvis. Was like, not with, El- with like other songwriters. <laughs> not with Elvis. No, but come he, on. Embellish. With, with, so he was sitting there with Elvis himself. <laughs> Eating a peanut butter and banana and bacon sandwich. Apparently. So he's in this um, writing session. Mm-hmm. And he just in the middle of it stops like, sorry, I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to write pop music. I've got an idea for a musical. <gasps> and walks out of the seat. No. And goes and starts to write a musical about the... Um, the signing of the Declaration of Independence. Oh which my is god! 1776. Okay. okay, already I have an opinion. It is that I would rather watch that. Yeah. As a musical, like the moment of oh my god, I yeah, I hate this. I, Elvis, I, don't do I this. hate you. I need to go. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like yeah, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Like that to me, I'm like that's entertaining. I've so I've always known 1776. Similar to you, I've I'd listened to it before and I'd I've seen the movie, mm-hmm. but I've known it as a joke, basically yeah. as like mm. uh, what a stupid. Like American propaganda. Mm-hmm. Not only is it an American kind of an American propaganda musical that mm-hmm. really whitewashes is a term I'll use that'll be especially relevant later yeah. on. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, like it clouds over all sorts of problems yeah. in American history and the founding of the United States of America, mm-hmm. while kind of paying even worse than just like skipping over them. Kind of pays some tribute to them in an oh, inaccurate yeah. way. Where, for example, it portrays um, the Southern states as being unwilling to sign the. Um, Declaration of Independence without removing any clauses um, decrying or outlawing slavery. Yes. Whereas right. in real life, there was like most of Congress. So that's where their heads yep. were at. Oh, like, totally. Was, this was not a right versus left nope. thing. People were way off track and mm-hmm. totally backwards minded. Absolutely. Like, in general, not just on the political spectrum. Yeah. Many things like that. I don't want to say that it's like 1776 isn't a, isn't a show without charm, but it's really, it's a dated show. Like when you listen to the music, um, and I did, I did, I did a re-listen of the Broadway uh, cast a couple times this uh, this week leading up to this. There's some funny lyrics. There's some charming melodies. It's like it's not a, it's not like it's ineptly made, but man, it's dated. What year? Sorry, was the oh, first? So this is the um, this is the mid '60s. So we're talking. Um, opening date is um, March 16th, 1969. Oh my gosh! So in my mind, it like wasn't that old. Really. In my mind, it was older because this is this is the start of the rock revolution. Yeah, like, hair is running at this time, which also is wild to me. So that there's a world where like those two and are anti-Vietnam hair. Yes, are right there, which is kind of amazing yeah. to think about politically. Yeah, right. So I've always had 1776 as like the a go-to joke for a corny musical. Got it. Um, mm-hmm. and that's always been where my head was at. So when they announced we're doing a revival of this. Um, in 2020 or so, I'm like, fucking who cares? Great. <laughs> then the pandemic happens. You're like, really? We're do- we are rehashing yeah. this one? So then the pandemic happens and everything shuts down. Mm-hmm. And when they come back, they say, all right, we've brought on another co-director and we're going to, we're staging it with a new concept now where everyone in the cast are going to be, um, actually, I just, I want to make sure I get it right, mm. are going to be women or non-binary folks and the Majority of them are going to be um, IBPOC folks as well. Right. Okay. I'm pretty sure that was accurate in how I described it. I think that's their conception. That makes sense. Yeah. Okay. Um, 
and at this point, whatever, what this makes everyone say, oh, and, it's, and we're going to do this to highlight the fact that these voices were not considered in the um, yeah. signing of the Declaration of Independence. Right. Where have I heard that before? Well, this is what I'm saying. It makes total, <laughs> makes total sense. This sounds like a yeah. strategy very similar to the strategy used to great success in, um, well, this is this is a little bit of lore. This is an obscure show. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's called... <laughs> no one's heard of it. It's called Hamilton. It's by no. this up-and-coming composer well, named Lin-Manuel Miranda. Well, and see, I don't think that's a strategy in Hamilton. Oh, yeah. That's a, con- that's a conscious word. casting decision. Yeah. Yes. This right. feels like a strategy. Right. This rather feels than, like marketing. Rather than... Mm. Tra- I, I meant strategy in the artistic sense. So maybe right. a better okay. word would be a like a... An artistic concept. Yeah. Okay, fair enough. In, um, yeah. in Hamilton. So whatever, that's the concept they're going in with. And the um the secondary concept is also we're gonna rearrange the music. We're gonna kinda like make it rockier. Okay. Okay, this was gonna be my next question mm-hmm. was did they modify the okay. book did they ch- like what is s- different yeah was this like a surface level change where right. we just threw some different bodies on totally. stage this is very much a surface level change cool. uh-huh. is the impression i get it's hard to say because there's very for a show that just closed it just closed it was a mm. limited run on broadway so the reason it closed this so this is a co-pro between the roundabout theater and the american repertory theater company oh yeah so okay. like something very similar to the canadian nonprofit regional system yeah okay um so they have no need to run a show forever. Yep. The money for producing comes from elsewhere. So they had a limited run on Broadway, then they're going to be touring all over the place. Great. Or um, is it? Sorry. <laughs> I said great, or is it? Or is it? Well, let's talk because, first of all, I hear that they're doing these rock arrangements. And I think of the 1776 that I know. Mm-hmm. And like, there is, like this show, this music is dated to its core. Right. Okay. Yeah. And that's not a, that's not a diss, but that's a fact. That's it would take a lot more than writing out some parts for guitar, bass, and drums to turn this into a different style of music. Like, you would need yes. to get in and, like, for the amount of work you're doing to actually make it an authentic rock score, you might as well just write a new musical. Mm-hmm. Okay. That said, I don't know because I have no friggin' idea what it sounds like. Right. Because oh. everything I found, there was, like, they did one Good Morning America, but that video has disappeared. <gasps> oh. uh, all their sizzles. Or just have like a backing track of like no. a really generic orchestration that sounds just like the original orchestration. Nothing rock <gasps> at all. I've got like one video of them singing um, the Mama Hey Mama or whatever, um, which is a song, a, a nice song in um, mm-hmm. 1776. Okay. With like a cool vocal arrangement and it sounds bomb. And John Adams sings it to John- George Washington. <laughs> <laughs> so this is this is point one. Okay, that's very bizarre. And there's no plans, now that they've closed, there's no plans to make a cast album. Okay. That's also surprising. Yeah. So you said they're touring it, but they're not going to right? get anyone amped up about the tour. Like this is, to me, those are ways that you can yeah. encourage uh, people to like, like get interested. Speaking as two people who have both worked at a regional theater that was producing a as at the time very unknown musical and someone who just did a cast recording for an upcoming musical yeah, mm-hmm. cast recording for a new musical right now yeah that's how you pl- get people yep. hyped about yep. a show yeah. they don't know that well they can go Absolutely. on spotify they can stream your, the musical they go into the theater already knowing the songs yep. yeah that is a great marketing tool mm-hmm. so maybe i'm reading too far into this but i don't think i am because there was also a very outward controversy Ooh. that happened with this show. The performer's name is Sarah Porkalob, who mm-hmm. plays Edward Rutledge, okay. who's the representative from Virginia, I believe, and sings a song late in Act 2 in the musical about the um, about the slave trade. Okay. This is one of the show's okay. attempts to address this. It, Like I said, it's like the, the politics of the song itself are fine, I guess, but it really plays like pandering ah. to um, like 
oh, the South were bad and the North were right, good and all right. of this. And so she plays that role. And obviously by re, um, re- recasting and recontextualizing it, all of a sudden it takes on a different meaning. Mm-hmm. That's very cool. That's yeah. very awesome. So she gives an interview saying okay. in 1776, she sings this song, Molasses to Rum, which um, comments on the slave trade, takes on a different um, context with them mm. singing it. They're, oh, okay. um, they're a Filipino artist. Mm-hmm. And so they say in an interview that when we were all in the room together, there weren't any conversations about how we marry our queer identities with these characters, mm. which is disappointing that race was used as a binary and that the mm. uh, black cast members were consulted about um, their their relationship to this mm-hmm. number and to the um, discussions of race in the show, but okay. not necessarily that all Ibpok folks were. Right. Okay. And that while the contract is fulfilling from a both social standpoint and a, a monetary standpoint, mm-hmm. she finds herself giving about 75% of herself on stage. Wow. This was met with a lot of backlash, including a really rude um, response from one of the directors. Oh, geez. And it sparked a big debate about how much performers should be giving to the show, which is something, this is something, this is in this whole drama, because this was a a big old thing, big old discourse around all of this. The thing that keyed into me, first of all, obviously, the challenges of being an IPOC performer in a show that hasn't, that is going up and they've slapped. They've what what seems to me like slapped this um this filter on it yeah this this um, woke washing veneer is, right like that's that fucking that fucking sucks I'm sorry that they had a a poor experience yeah. in a um environment that maybe didn't feel totally safe and absolutely right. good on them for um speaking truth to power in that regard yes mm-hmm. um what I want to speak to because it's something that speaks to my experience and to you um to all of our experiences mm-hmm. is the idea that we as arts professionals should be giving everything to yeah. the show because we're lucky to have the job right and it's like their 75 percent is probably like reads as 110 percent. do you know what i mean well absolutely so to speak in percentages is useful when you uh, are a person who can acknowledge that right like if i say oh 75 percent is probably yeah. a beautiful performance from this artist yeah. you mm-hmm. know so yeah. And they wow. go on to they go on to acknowledge as well. They're like, when I said that, I meant they say this in response to the backlash. Yeah. Seventy five percent. I meant like seventy five percent of myself is in the show. Ten percent is sleep. Five percent yeah. is eating. Five, right. Like, okay, so they're they're not even talking about like I'm going out there and like seventy five percent assing it. Even if they are. Yeah, even if they are. Like seventy five percent is plenty. Yes. You know what That's I mean? still a lot of ass. Like a, yes. A, especially for, for whatever you define it as. Like, it shouldn't be based on how much you're giving to it. It should be based on whether you're completing the job satisfactorily. Yes. Yeah. No, um, I agree with that completely. So this is controversy number two. Combine that, the, both of these things. One mm-hmm. is a very bizarre amount of promotion. One is this very bizarre situation where a cast member spoke out about weird feelings in the room and mm-hmm. one of the directors mm-hmm. immediately shot back hard yeah that's um, like which is so bad. really bad behavior it's and that's, not something that's just that not I... a great working environment no, no. if no, an actor can't that. speak about discomfort they're having yes without mm. at least being heard out yep. by their cre- by their creative yeah. leaders mm-hmm. and to have that to have that all take place over the across the internet is really messy yeah um yeah. so combine both of those things with the fact that the reviews were bad mm. um this show is exactly everyone is receiving exactly what we've been talking about um, 1776 is a flawed show and they haven't done any of the actual work to make it a not flawed show right and frankly the amount of work you would have to do to actually make this authentic you've just wrote Hamilton 
You yeah. know what I mean? Like, or, or something. Right. Like, Just, like, start over, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, jeez. Um, or maybe what a lot of people are saying, and I happen to agree with, you've got all these incredible um, artists and non-binary folks of color in the room. Mm-hmm. Write something new about their stories. Yeah. They yeah. can hire them all. Let's go. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, as far as why seven, this revival of 1776 closed, it's, it closed because it was scheduled to close. Yeah. <laughs> um, as to... Whether it was a successful revival of this show, the impression I get is no, not at all, Mm. both based on the reviews, based on the lack of evidence that's available for me to draw my own conclusion, and based on messiness like that falling out online. Like, that's not where it starts. You know what I mean? No. So that's my take on 1776. Original musical was a best picture, was a best best Tony winner, best musical winner at the Tonys. (laughs) Um... (laughs) Something this revival will probably uh, get a like best revival nod out of respect, but yeah, I guess you think that's so? It. You think it will? What else is in the running this year? I don't think there's been enough revivals that it won't get the nom. Maybe it won't get the nom though. That'd well, be interesting. Stranger things have happened. Aaron right. Tveit was the only nominee in the COVID year for that's right. best actor, wasn't he? That's absolutely correct. It <laughs> was last year, wasn't it? And he didn't win, which is weird. <laughs> <laughs> but he did win Best Nose on Broadway. <laughs> the special award that we made up. That we just made up. Yeah. Okay, hold on. Now I want to yeah. see. I should also mention, dear friend of the podcast, Raffi Rosenberg, went to see it. So mm-hmm. we don't just have the word of critics. We have the, ro- yes. the words of a friend of ours who lives in New York and went to see it. Yes. I was so bored in Act 1, I checked my phone thinking two hours must have passed and it had been 30 minutes. Oh, oh no. <laughs> Jeez. It was so obviously performative and stunt casting. I wish that money had gone into new shows about mm-hmm. or by these women about their own stories. Yeah. Women and non-binary folks. Yes. Mm-hmm. Women and non-binary folks. Thank you very much. It's a show that should never have been revived. There was nothing else to offer or say and thinking that a show about founding fathers with a BIPOC cast sells because Hamilton sells is like saying the Backstreet Boys and the Beatles have the same audience huh. because they're both bands with men. Well, they do yes. because I like them, but that's, that's relevant. <laughs> that's so funny, but accurate, But right? you, wouldn't, you wouldn't program the Backstreet Boys to try to cash in on a Beatles market. Yes, no. I would. Well, you would lose money. <laughs> I could speak to the or. fact that I like Bo. Well, yes. Yeah. But... Yeah. Yeah, that's not no, the point. I get that. The point here is not my amazing idea for a tour. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think this is the last we will see of this revival of 1776. I can't wait to see what's in store next. <laughs> yeah. I'm upset by yeah. the harm it is of an, that. It's an upsetting revival. Yeah. I don't think it was well um well thought out. Yeah. And it's just something that its core smells bad. Yes. Mm. Yeah. So I guess we'll keep an eye on what happens with the tour and hope that maybe there's some important conversations going on behind the scenes. I hope so too. A debrief. And I hope that the artists who were in the Broadway cast, whether Mm -hmm. they go out on the tour or not, are able to translate that that cachet into cool projects that highlight their own voices. Yep. Oh my gosh. Okay. Okay, Thank you, Paul, for that. Wow. This has been my book report. Thank you very much. (laughs) Good job, Paul. (laughs) Thank you. Gold star. Okay. okay. We got one more. Ooh, one more. All right. All right. So it's the ghost with the most. Who? It's showtime. Who? Don't you. No, don't, no, Paul. We're not saying no, it thrice. No, don't do it. Okay. So. You have to be careful how many times we say we it. We sure do. Yeah. Um, so Beetlejuice. That's one. That's, That's one. one. <laughs> <laughs> but it needs to be spoken three times in a row. It must be spoken unbroken. Oh, you're right. You're right. That is the rule. <laughs> 
All right, so Beetlejuice has a bit of an interesting background. So it was originally started to get developed in 2016 and is based on the 1988 film of the same name, mm-hmm. Beetlejuice, directed by Tim Burton. The production was Great produced movie. by, by Warner Brothers and directed by Alex Timbers. Great. Shiver me Timbers. Yes. Shiver me Alex Timbers. <laughs> yeah, with uh, music by uh, Australian comedian Eddie Perfect, which is... Just, oh, what a fun name. Love uh, it. A musical lyrics by Scott Brown and Anthony King wrote the book. Mm. So, yeah, it started getting developed in 2016. It had a pre-Broadway um, run in Washington yep. in 2018. And it was well received there? I believe so. Like, it, everything. That was the impression I got. I yeah. thought so, yeah. too. From what I understand, it's a pretty divisive musical. Like, yeah. I remember yeah. the buzz at the time being good, not great. Yeah. And it getting caught up in the... Jeez, I'll just make anything into a musical now. Yeah. Kind of rhetoric. Yeah. You know? I'm this... sorry, did you take that from me? Because I <laughs> yeah. literally said that literally, so many times. We may life. have said it to each other. Yeah. Can you believe they're making Beetlejuice into a musical? <laughs> well, like, this was around the time when like every movie, yep. if it was even a little bit popular, was mm-hmm. getting an adaptation. Sure. We got Groundhog Day. Yeah. We got like bi- Big Fish, American Psycho. Yes. Like all of these, yeah. all of these like movies were getting an adaptation. So yep. I think we were like Really? <laughs> Beetlejuice, the, the musical, the, the movie that has two musical numbers in it. Yeah. Yeah. Is getting, okay, yeah. great. Okay, I, this is what we I, do now. I, yeah. And it's especially, it's like that weird thing of like, the Trek faced where it's like, geez, yes. the music in Trek yeah. is great. I can't wait for a musical. And then. But you can't use any of that no, music. No, And the characters aren't going to sing friggin' Hallelujah or All Star or whatever, well, because, you know? All <laughs> Because none of the music in that film is diegetic exactly. at all. Yeah. It's all a soundtrack. That's yeah. it. And it's great. It's great, like, music curation. Yes. But it's. Yeah. It doesn't yeah. translate into a stage musical. It's a different medium with music doing a different thing. Exactly. Mm. Yeah. Okay. So uh, the, the show had 27 previews in March 28th, 2019, mm-hmm. opened April 25th, 2019, and closed on March 10th, 2020, before being revived in April 8th, 2022, and closed on January 8th, 2023. Wow. Do you know, did it close with the shutdown or just before the shutdown? It closed with the shutdown. Right. Like, like for, yeah. mm-hmm. for those of us in Canada, that weekend of like March 10th, yep. March 13th was like, RRD Day for Canadian yeah, theater. Yes. So I believe it closed with the Broadway shutdown yeah. and then came back with like the Broadway reopening in yep. April 2022. But before sense. it came back, it had posted that it wasn't. Yes. Yes. And it, it posted, was, now we're done. It was originally scheduled to close in June 2020 to um, make way for the Music Band revival at the Winter Garden Theater. But it ended up closing um, with the rest of the pandemic in March 2020. And also, the girl that, the sorry, the woman that originated the role of Lydia Dietz, mm-hmm. Sophia Ann Caruso, left the show in February 2020. And this was a bit of a weird thing where it was very abrupt. Yeah. Um, and there was rumors about, you know, why did, did she did she get fired? Why yep. did she quit? The official word from producers was that she exercised her contractual out yep. to pursue TV and film work. Gotcha. And she has received a whopping one credit on her IMDb since leaving the show. She is the voice to me of 
that musical in a way. Yes. Yeah. She did the cast recording. Yeah. Sophia and Caruso originated the role. She was part of the um, Broadway workshops. The Lydia tracks a hard track. They didn't write it easy. Oh, and then speaking of um, incredible performances, we have Alex Brightman, who originated the role on Broadway. Uh, He was part of the 2018 workshops and uses this special thing called ventricular fold phonation, which allows him to do the like the signature Mm -hmm. gruff voice of Beetlejuice without totally frying his vocal cords. That's so incredible. Yeah, so like that's the reason why he's able to do eight shows a week of like talking like this. It's something that I don't understand. It's and amazing. It's, I can't argue against it's it. It's got to be the tongue proof is in the pudding. He did it. Soft palate, which mm-hmm. uh, the Phantom knows all about. <laughs> that was a stupid. <laughs> yeah, he actually had uh, Michael Crawford <laughs> backstage. You would appreciate it if you would please lower <laughs> please your tongue. <laughs> lower your tongue and lift your goddamn soft palate. Yeah. <laughs> But it actually might be that agility, right? Yeah. Of like yeah. being able to ret, like, because you're not sitting on your folds, but you're like, yeah. lift. It's something about the palate. I would guess. It, feel, it yeah. feels like it would be such a fine line to walk. Oh, God. Mm. Wow. But he's he's been nailing it for like he's yeah, incredible absolutely. years. Great, great performer. He was great in School of Rock. Yeah. I was going to say yes. School of Rock. He was Dewey Finn in yeah. School of Rock. And um, also in 35mm, which is. Oh, yes. Yeah. I oh, love yeah. that song cycle. Yeah. So quirky. That's right. Yep. And he was also in Big Fish, another musical that we have covered. Oh, sure. Wait, that makes sense. who was he in that? He was um uh he was on ensemble, so like he was okay. also uh, yeah. understudy to Will Bloom. That makes sense. Yep, that, that tracks. Absolutely makes sense. And he was also in uh, Matilda the musical as um I believe her dad. I want to say oh her. Michael Wormwood. Yep. Oh no, that oh the brother. That's the brother. That's the brother. brother. Thank you. Okay. Yeah. So for those of you who don't know the story of Beetlejuice, it follows the rough sketch of the film, but mm-hmm. with a couple of different changes here and there. The biggest being that like so in in the movie. Michael Keaton's Beetlejuice is on screen for like 15 minutes yeah. and shows up like at like the 30 minute mark. Whereas in the musical, it's like, no, no, we we know that you're here. Yes. For Beetlejuice. You're so the main, he's the main character. He's the main yeah. character. And it does more of like what the cartoon did in like the mm. early the early 90s where it's like. him and Lydia are just butts. Yeah, it's right? like it's, it's the Lydia and Beetlejuice show. Got and it. Everybody else is kind of. Like like the like the Maitlands who were played by Alec Baldwin and Gina Davis in the movie are more pushed to the background a little bit. Okay. They take out anything romantic with Beetlejuice and Lydia, right? They still get they still try to get married. Because that's the big thing in the movie is like, oh nope, that's really creepy. That's yeah, really weird. Having Michael Keaton hit on like a teenage Winona Ryder is like in universe, it's really creepy. Like and that's mm-hmm. that's what it's supposed to be, right? It's supposed to you're not supposed to because Beetlejuice yes. is the villain of the movie. Yes, that's he is. it. Yeah. And like he still is here, but sure. but but also like Rose like ah he's so fun yeah, right jokes. yeah so it basically follows the plot of the, mo- of the movie where um Barbara and uh Adam Maitland um die die very suddenly and they are still haunting slash living in their old house their old house is moved into by a human living family mm-hmm. the daughter Lydia has recently lost her mom and her dad is hooking up with this crazy artist lady uh, named Delia mm-hmm she doesn't like that. She wants to she wants to move. And then while she is trying to uh, kill herself to be re- reunited right. with her mom, yep. Beetlejuice shows up and is like, hey, what if we just like start haunting the house instead? Or like, what what if what if we join up? Yeah. And then um, wacky hijinks ensue in act yeah. two as they mm-hmm. try to do that. Um, there's a couple differences, not just with the, the focus of the show, but also how the Maitlands die is different uh. because in the movie they... 
drive their car off a bridge, and in this, they just fall through the floorboards in their house. In the tour, they get electrocuted. That sounds like Broadway. That's, yeah. that's fine. That's, you, can, you can either yeah. try to do a car crash and oh, stuff yeah. very good, or you can do something yeah. that actually looks good on stage. Yeah. Like, yeah. No, no shade there. Yeah. Yeah. Like, there's other things, like um, Lydia's dead mom is a way bigger focal point, where like she's like, I right. want to be reunited with my mom. I want to like summon my mom. Yeah. And in the movie, it's just like, my mom's dead, womp womp. Yeah. Right. It basically follows the, the plot of the film. Uh, my personal favorite thing, though, as I was reading this um, plot synopsis on Wikipedia, was okay. So we just we, we've gone through the entire plot of, of of the of the movie, and then this sentence: Beetlejuice then crashes through the wall, riding a sandworm, which each Juno. <laughs> we haven't mentioned the sandworm up until that point. Yeah. It's just like, hey, sandworm. <laughs> and that's in the original movie. Gina Davis crashes through on yes. a sandworm and eats Beetlejuice. Mm-hmm. Yes. And that's how the movie ends. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's so funny. Wow. Because I know they had like a big sandworm puppet, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is really cool. Which yeah. actually, okay, so shortly before the show closed on January 8th, during Christmas Eve performance, Alex Brightman slammed into the giant sandworm backstage at a full sprint oh. and had a concussion. Yeah, I believe it. So he was at risk of not continuing the show and to right. close it because he was feeling really nauseous, really yep. achy, because he had a head injury. Being around the lights oh my was gosh. no good. Oh, that's scary. So um, his understudies were brought in not to really. um, kind of fill the gaps, but mm-hmm. then he was able to finished the show he closed it out on january it was really cute actually him and the the current lydia held up little signs that said hey guys we love you to to the audience it was was really 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 adorable it was so great so i'm happy he was able to finish out the run and then they used the worm in dune Yes, yes that's actually, they, had it it was rented to they rented it when it was closed during the pandemic. They rented <laughs> the worm out to. That's the way they were able to Dune. reopen. Yes, and because then, of the money they got from the rental. And now they yes. had to close so that they could use the worm again <laughs> for Dune Two. In Dune Two, <laughs> guys, I'm sorry, we've got to close. They need to start filming. <laughs> they start filming tomorrow. We've got to go. Wow, the music's nice. Yeah, it's fun. I, I really like fun. the music. Like, yeah, the whole being dead thing. Bob, say my yeah. name. Bob. Bob. Yeah, that beautiful sound. Bob. Yeah. Uh, um, Deo parentheses the banana boat yeah. song. Not written for this show, but nope. still a bop. Still a bop. Uh, dead mom. Meh. meh. Really? Yeah. I think it's a good okay, song. And here's no. why yeah. I feel meh is because I've heard everyone do it now. Yeah, it's the it's a hot thing right now. And I'm just like, yeah. I'm good. Yep. Next. Because it, it cycles through, right? Like everyone did that song from Mean Girls for a while. And everyone then, did Pulled. Yeah, yeah. Everyone did Pulled. It's like. All the way back to like Popular and Defying Gravity. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And like, no Wait, shade. Wait, what are you saying? They have to come out of my book now? No, I'm they can kidding. go back in. They're back. Oh my gosh, like, we're pop- back. Popular especially. Oh, thank I would goodness. Love to, I love to hear a popular nowadays. Right? Absolutely. And, like, okay. No shade to anyone that does use this in their book. No, I'm sure no. you're doing no, a great job. Totally. But it activates my get off my lawn instinct. <laughs> right. About like this aggressively emo teenage girl and I'm like oh okay right. let's 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 dial it back a little yeah. bit there I like it I think it's, I think it's <laughs> no, a nice you can song. like it I, I like don't judge you for it. that I don't judge yeah, yeah. I don't judge so, <laughs> so okay can we I, I'm curious then about because it was resurrected yes what was the reasoning other than the they need the worm prop for Dune but what was the reasoning do we think behind the closing were they not making money well 
there's a few there's a few reasons. So critical reception is really mixed. Yeah. Mm, dear yeah. dear friend of the podcast Bren, Ben Brantley writes. Well, he didn't like oh it. yeah. Invisibility is definitely not among this show's problems. <laughs> Overcompensating <laughs> from the fear that it might lose an audience with a limited uh, attention span is. Right. So it features a jaw-droppingly well-appointed gothic funhouse set mm. by David Corns, uh, replete with spooky surprises. The show is so overstuffed w- with gags, right. one-liners and visual diversions that you shut down from sensory overload. Ah. It's so, interesting because to me that's also the movie. Yeah. In yeah, a good way. Like, like that's what's charming. Is that a bug or a feature? Right. Yeah. And yeah. that's also so much of contemporary Broadway. True. Yeah. In my mind. Like we yeah. talk about the like Broadway jokes that start to oh, come yes. in. You know what I mean? And when uh, you list, watch clips from Beale, just that's all they are. They're just yeah, Alex Brightman is like jokes. breaking the fourth wall left, right, and yeah. center yeah. in the whole being dead thing, yeah. making a ton of Broadway jokes. Right. So like the vibe that I get is that this show was a huge fan favorite, huge fan success. People fell in love with the soundtrack over Spotify and things mm. like that. But that didn't necessarily translate to ticket sales. Right. Or at least the kind of ticket sales you need now on Broadway to keep to, to keep the lights yeah, on. Because, totally. like, who has money that's coming to the shows? It's older people, right? Yes. And unless they have, like, a teen yeah, or a young adult in their life to yeah. be like, let's go see this, like, fun and silly thing. I know you. you you've know? been listening to the soundtrack for, like, the last six months yeah. in your bedroom. But I think it also is, like, because it has such a young fan base, that also leads to more people watching, like, bootlegs yep. than going to go see the show in person. Yes. Well, wasn't it revived because it blew up on TikTok? It blew up on TikTok? Oh, and it is also touring as of December. Okay. Oh, That's so, good. That so I think it'll probably that. find a very happy second life through yeah. touring because... A bunch of people will see it, yeah. And like, mm. even just for myself, I don't know if I want to go see it, but I love the designs. Yeah, I would I, consider seeing it, I I'd think. go see it if it was here. Yeah. I think this show would be so much fun to design. I might not go to New York to, to see it, but I would... Um, yeah. If, if it, it comes was, here, I would absolutely go see it. Absolutely. Okay, well, yeah. let's put that out into the universe. Yeah. Broadway across Canada, do you mind <laughs> just <laughs> picking really up your f- friend Beetlejuice and... Did it get any Tony attention? Uh, so Alex Brightman was nominated for um, Best Actor. Okay. Very well deserved. He did not win, but he was he was nominated. Um, he I was also nominated for Best Musical, Best mm-hmm. Book, yeah. Best Original Score, uh, Best Scenic Design, Best Costume Design, a whole bunch of design. Oh, wow. Good for them. It didn't win anything at yeah. the Tonys. Um, yeah. It won like some smaller awards like Outer Critics Circle, right. um, yeah. Drama League, etc. But nothing at the Tonys. Mm. Huh. Interesting. Yeah. And sorry, what year was that? 20... Uh, so this was the 2019. 19. Okay. What, what else was going on that year? Uh, Tootsie. One oh, best book. Oh God! Jesus Christ! So that's that's fun. The year that Hades Town took it. Oh good. Cool. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Which yeah. Makes thank God. Sense. That makes did sense. Not take it. Oh thank goodness. Yeah. This is the year with the cool Oklahoma revival. Oh that's taking right. Taking best revival. Also, yes. Santino Fontana took uh, best actor for his role in Tootsie from Alex Brightman. That's right, and that was a big thing too. Yeah, People were like, "What thing. the even heck?" Yeah, going up against Ain't Too Proud, uh, The Prom, and Oklahoma. Right. That was the prom year. Yeah, Hades. Yeah, Hades Town took a lot of these yeah. awards. Hades, this right, is Hades Town's so. year and Oklahoma's year. The Share Show took yep. best oh, design. Yeah. Damn right, they oh did. Oh my god, interesting. I kind of wanted to do this episode in response to some of the think pieces you see popping up about like, mm-hmm. is Broadway done? Like we had yeah. this initial boom when we came back, and now everything's closing. To be able to examine these three shows, and first of all, examine how different they are, and the very different reasons yes the yeah. very different lives all of them had and the very different reasons mm-hmm. they've closed it's 
of the three, none of them seem like they closed too early. I also think that something I was thinking about a lot in prep for this podcast was like working mostly at the regional level. It still takes some getting used to on this podcast that a hundred performances can be a failure. Sure. Yes. Yeah. And like, as you look at like the runs of a lot of these shows, like Phantom, 30 years, 7076, mm-hmm. three, re- like like yep. one performance and then two revivals. Yeah. And that re- and that initial um, performance was like years. Yeah. yeah. Right. And then Beetlejuice like went on for 688 performances. Yeah. Like that's, that's massive. How is that anything other than a smash? And he's getting a tour. Like I don't, but no, I agree completely. The only thing that's upsetting when you say 100 performances and it's a failure is the fact that usually a show that closes after that amount of time, there's a reason that yeah. it is not finding its legs. Yeah. But it doesn't make it less tragic because people are still out of work, right? Ooh. Like that's yeah. the thing. That's I have so one hard. more thing to say about Beetlejuice. Yeah. Just could go back for a second. Please do. So here is how I knew the show was in trouble. Mm. So Paul and I watched the YouTube channel, The Try Guys. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I'm familiar. Very funny. Funny, good, good, chill, like supper time um, TV. So for those of you who don't know, so The Try Guys, their whole conceit is that they do things that they haven't done before. They go try things and it's it's, it's hilarious. Like cheating on their wives. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, one of them tried that. Yeah, that's, the that's, that's the newest. That's the newest try, guys. Recommend it. Um, oh, but oh. so for one episode, they auditioned for Beetlejuice. And the whole thing was that whichever one of them did the best was going to get to have a small walk-on role in Beetlejuice. During and, the performance that night. And so I was like, I was like okay, Great. this is really Cute. cool. Yeah. But what does it say about the state the show is in right. that this is a promotional opportunity yeah. they're, they're embracing? They need, and they Ooh. put a fair amount of staff into doing this. Like, they put yeah. them through a full audition process. Yeah, they had the, the choreo. Cap, they brought in they, the associate MD. That's expensive. Yeah. Alex Brightman was there, Alex like, Bright- running lines with them. So, like, they spent some money to make this video, which is great. And it was a good video, and it's very fun. It's very fun. It's very cute. And, like, you can see... Like, but so, it's not something you shrug off. But, and, like, right. Keith Happersberger is uh, uh, one of the Try Guys. He won. He got to go walk on stage, and he was beaming with pride. Super happy. Good for him. Yeah. But it's, like... The video really does make the whole Beetlejuice team and, like, working environment seem really positive. Yes. Oh, good. Okay. But it struck me that I was, like, hey, this is a show that understands its audience and knows that this is a great promotional opportunity. Mm-hmm. Yes. But could you imagine having a fan campaign for a walk-on role in something like Phantom yeah, or something right. like Company, something with a bit sure. more, it just, it, it, there was something about it where I was like, this is really cool, but feels a little dinner theater-y. Remember what? Okay. So <sighs> further to that, because I think that is a really great observation to be uh-huh. like, oh, whoa, they did this all to sort of like drum up maybe another wave of support yeah, for yes. the show. Remember Search for Elle Woods. Like, yeah. this is yes. what I'm saying, where it's like, it didn't actually last that much lo- longer on Broadway after that show, did it not? Like, there was like a, another so. surge. And that's always the, I guess we in Canada, we did it a bit different. We did um, Over the Rainbow before yeah. the show opened. Mm-hmm. Right. But like, Wizard of Oz at Mervish was, it was yeah. a hit, but it was not a main study he was not no crush no exactly so i don't know there maybe there there's more of that than i've realized yeah they did that for greece as well didn't they for a greece revival yes they did totally so i'm gonna keep my eye on stuff like that Mm -hmm. yeah like i don't think it's a death knell but it is just no it's just interesting that that's a promotional avenue that we're seeing 
we're seeing pop up every every now and again. Mm. Is it possible that the Beetlejuice team is actually really smart and is recognizing that that's a better place to spend their promo budget? Yeah. Oh, than- I. Good Morning America. I agree. Or whatever. Right. It was a smart business decision. Mm-hmm. Yes. But it's also the kind of thing where I'm like, okay, so you you were willing to invest the resources to have, to risk having a complete Broadway nobody mm-hmm. with no prior experience yeah. come on stage and work with you. Yeah. That's something you invested right. a not insignificant <laughs> amount of resources into making happen. Yeah. yeah. That's so, so true. Like, you don't so do, you don't so do something like that if you don't think it's going to be worth the risk. Yeah, yep. I think that's, I agree completely. I can see exactly how they got there, especially yeah, where they're too. like, Beetlejuice, um, we had this big Twitter, this big TikTok um, boost that brought the show back. Yeah. So clearly this yeah. is the way our audience is engaging with this. Yeah. So why would you bother going on freaking Good Morning America? Yeah. Spend that money on a hugely popular YouTube channel and being on that. I just like yeah. the idea of like a bunch of like old white men in suits in the Warner Brothers like room being like, what are the, what are the youth like? The, oh my God. The try guys. refusing to even call a youth yeah. to be like, <laughs> we don't want that. Line, line go down, make line go up. Charts. <laughs> These five old white dudes who are perplexed, who don't understand Beetlejuice or how it got popular at all. But are like, this is making money and we need to keep it making money. Yeah. Oh, What's God. on TikTok? What is it? TikTok. Google, what do, <laughs> what do teens like? Oh, jeez. There really is no connective tissue between why these three shows closing. I super love that, though. Yeah. It's kind of wonderful. My, my hope would be that the conclusion we can draw is not that we're in any kind of crisis of Broadway closing no. right oh, no. now. Which, like I said, some think pieces are um, pulling that bell. Mm-hmm. And instead... I would say it's a sign that we're in a really healthy theater environment. Yeah. And like, I would really love it if we had like a healthy amount of turnover on Broadway. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. I think it'd be really cool if we had this steady stream of new voices, new creations getting mm-hmm. put on the stage. Yeah. Like, maybe stick around a little while so I can see them. Yeah. But, <laughs> but I, don't, yeah. I don't think it's a bad thing. No. Uh, and like, and stick around long enough to like make some real money. Like yes. shows make money, artists should make money. Yeah. Yes. Like make your night, make, get enough money to break even, pay everybody. I don't want anyone like going into bankruptcy. Totally. But like, I don't know. I just think it would be really cool if we had just like a more steady stream of mm-hmm. new works getting produced. Yeah. Completely. Also, it's definitely not the worst month for closures that have, has ever happened. No, so it's not, interesting right? that they like are sounding the alarm yeah. saying, oh, 11 closures this month. But yeah. it, I think the record's like 15 or 16. Yeah. yeah. So, let's so let's until down. we get there, let's, I'm not... Let's all chill out. Yeah. <laughs> and once again, the things that closed are like the three things that we discussed. A, the longest running show, which mm-hmm. it had to close sometime. Yeah. Exactly. A show that had already posted closing is also a weirdo show with yep. a lot of controversy. Mm-hmm. And a show that was already on its victory lap. Totally. Victory lap that got brought back yeah. after the pandemic <laughs> and also is going out kind of beloved and gets yes. to still have this great second life with yep. touring and a soundtrack. And Absolutely. I certainly have never watched them, but slime tutorials. Oh, yeah. Don't watch them, though. They're definitely not on yeah, YouTube if you search Bug that. Juice slime, slime tutorial. Bug juice Don't slime do that. That would be bad. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's as that's as good of a place as any, I think, to maybe um start to start yeah. to wrap up this episode, hey? Yeah. Yeah. Join us next time for a very special episode of Monkeys. <gasps> you can join us live. 
you can oh, join us while M- we record the episode. We're going to have to figure out how to do this better yeah. before we bring this to an audience. Like yeah. to stay a little more like focused. frantically yeah. cutting all of our stuff down. <laughs> Just, it's a lot of like watching Paul Google things yeah. and Paul going to the bathroom <laughs> and other things that Jill does. I don't know. I can't think of any examples right now. I wait. This ep- this ep- <laughs> we try to make this episode an hour long. We're coming up on hour two of recording, Woo-hoo. everyone. Yeah. <laughs> so we'll, maybe we'll try to be more concise we'll for the be, live episode. Or maybe we'll get a two and a half hour episode and everyone Ooh, will love it. Ooh, and everyone yeah. will love it and have right? a drink. Especially and Daphne. Enjoy. Yeah. But <laughs> the beauty of a live episode is that all of your stupid jokes just stay in. Everyone else has <laughs> oh, to listen no. to them now. <laughs> Join us for that at the Crescent Arts Center in Osborne Village in Winnipeg on... February 25th Feb- at 9.30 p.m. It's Monkeys and Playbills nights. You can come see the Village Conservatory's show inhibition exhibition yeah. first, and then come um, stick around and see uh, an after party with monkeys and playbills. We're going to be yeah. talking about a very special show about a very special person, yeah, and a very special relationship. Sorry, yeah. I cannot with this. <laughs> I he's cannot. A, he's a man who lives in New York. Mm-hmm. And he takes pictures for the uh, nope. local newspaper. Stop! This all needs to be cut out. That's too much. <laughs> no, I, Paul, I've been posting very cryptic hints on Instagram. I know. I'm trying to do a similar thing to what Jill did with Phantom. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> no. it is actually it has like a mysterious <laughs> illness. <laughs> you can't. I am so excited to finally explore. Has some really this show. colorful friends. Yeah. I'm really yeah. excited to finally explore. It's the probably the most demanded show. Yep. Um, that people have asked us to cover. And we're going to do it live, so you better be there. We'll also be back before then. Come hang out with us. Admission is pay what, is pay what you choose. It could be yep. nothing. It could be $20. All of mm-hmm. it goes towards the Village Conservatory, Yay. who Absolutely. let us do this podcast. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, for Monkeys and Playbills, I'm Paul DeGurse. I'm Jillian Willems. And I'm the Phantom. <laughs> <laughs> Did you just disappear backwards through a chair? <laughs> smoke, smoke. I do love that trick. Sing <laughs> for me. Yeah, it's so good. <laughs> it is really good. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you and good night. Hi, everyone. This is producer Daphne speaking. Thank you all so much for listening to Monkeys and Playbills, the show where we take a look at Broadway musicals that had 100 performances or fewer before closing. To learn more about the show, you can follow us on Instagram at monkeysandplaybillspod or email us at monkeysandplaybillspod at gmail.com. You can also support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash monkeysandplaybills. Monkeys and Playbills is proud to be a Village Conservatory for Music Theatre podcast. Original music for the show is provided by Paul DeGers, and the show is produced and edited by Daphne Finlayson. We wanted to give a special thank you to the Canada Council for the Arts for supporting this season of Monkeys and Playbills. We also want to thank our producing partners, the Crescent Arts Centre, for their support. To learn more about the different podcasts in the Village Conservatory family, visit villageconservatory.com or look up the Village Conservatory channel in Apple Podcasts. To learn more about the live recording of Monkeys and Playbills happening Saturday, February 25th, 2023, visit the link in our description or villageconservatory.com. Mm-hmm.